This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we'll celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our podcast can be found at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight, we have Jason Kelly coming to us from Canton, Massachusetts by way of Westwood, Massachusetts, right next door. How are you? And also, where can the fans find you on Twitter? Oh, I've been better. Um, not the best week plus of baseball, but we're kind of getting used to that at this point. Going to be an interesting second half. Um, as far as Twitter, you can find me there at Color of the Iris. Excellent. That's O U R, the English spelling. Um, also joining us tonight, we have Terry Cushman from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine. A little bit warmer there than it is in Maine. Terry, how are you? And also, where can we find you on Twitter? Well, you can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. The podcast account is at Bastards underscore Boston. And uh, I'm doing all right. Hoping this Atlanta series uh, kicks off to a good start. Um, that will be basically uh, the game one is the night this uh, episode gets released. So got 911 on speed dial. Totally legit or calling the cops. I'm so I'm so glad that you have the ability of saying that without stuttering over the consonants that I just can't say totally legit or calling the cops that might have been the second time i've ever gotten it right without making a mistake yeah the, the l's just mess it up and totally. that's the that's the part that's the one that i keep butchering it's terrible i sound like an infant it's awful um anyways we're gonna get right into this so starting out with number five and i can already feel like this is gonna be a fun one for jason the Boston Red Sox did enough at the deadline this year to contend for, at the very least, third wildcard spot. That face says it all. Totally legit, or are you calling the cops? I'm calling the cops. I'm so sick of this narrative. God damn it. So, all right, you trade your starting catcher, who was one of your better offensive players, too. You trade him away. You dump him for prospects. But you add Eric Hosmer, who luckily San Diego's paying most of his contract because he was way overpriced. And you add Tommy Pham, who don't get into a fantasy league with him or else you know what happens. 
Um, and Tommy Pham is not a bad player. Like he's an upgrade over Jackie Bradley offensively. Defensively, he might take a little bit of a hit. Um, you also added Reese McGuire, which we don't need to get into Reese McGuire and what he does outside of baseball activities. We all know that. Um, but Reese McGuire can't hit. So you got so much worse a catcher, but you upgraded a little bit at first base and a little bit in the outfield. Meanwhile, you did not address your bullpen, which blows. In fact, you traded away Jake Diekman, who I get it, you know, wanted to get out from his contract, but your bullpen still stinks and your rotation is still either too old or too injury prone. So, no, I'm calling the cops. You didn't do enough. Now, you know, did I expect the Red Sox to make a big splash at the deadline? No, but for a team, that's, you know, for a GM who said that his ultimate goal was to help the team reach the postseason, he didn't do enough. Everyone else around him did better. So, no, I'm calling the cops. You did not do enough to make the playoffs. I'm a little torn on this one. I'm probably going to call the cops here. Uh, you look at the three teams currently in the wild card, Toronto, Great team on paper. Good pitching staff, good lineup. Not sure about their bullpen, but certainly far and away better than the Red Sox. They're 10 games behind the Yankees. Yankees, I don't know if they're in panic mode yet, but it hasn't been a good last couple of weeks for them. But getting back to the Red Sox, I like the additions they made. I like Eric Hosmer at the major league minimum. I, I guess I like Tommy Pham. I, I, I don't really care for the person all that much, but I think those are two nice upgrades that we got at the deadline where bloom didn't do enough was really last winter. And that's the reason we were right around 500 at the deadline. You want to know something hilarious? I just got followed on Instagram this second by the underscore Dahlbeck underscore faithful. Now follows the bastards of Boston. They're going to be very disappointed with uh, what we have to say about him. Uh, but anyway, so the Red Sox, it was more what he didn't do last winter is the is the problem. But ultimately... You got to leapfrog the White Sox, the Indians. Oh, I finally did it. The Guardians uh, and the Orioles. And all those teams are kind of trending upwards right now. And we just got beat by like the third worst team in Major League Baseball. Calling the cops. So for me, the way I look at it is as far as this being totally legit, it's going to be hard to make it totally legit based on one point that Jason had mentioned. So I'm, I'm, I'm going back to get backpacked here. Uh, when you get rid of Christian Vasquez, it's going to be really hard for us to think that this is something that you did to improve the roster for at least this year. Right now, if you get rid of the guy who's developed the most camaraderie with your starting rotation, has caught the fifth most games in Boston Red Sox history, you really would have needed to make a major splash to be remotely close to being considered serious contenders. And that's okay. 
we got Kyle Schwarber last year. We didn't even do half of that. No offense, disrespect to Tom Pham, Reese McGuire, um, Eric Hosmer. Hosmer, we're paying peanuts because San Diego graciously is paying basically all of his contract. He's getting like the veteran minimum every year. Did we do enough at the deadline? No, we did not. So I am calling the cops. And, and Jason, this is where you're backpacking uh, here. I'm just kind of riding the, the wave on this one. We didn't do anything during the offseason in relation to what we possibly could have done and should have done. The reason why we didn't do that is because the team in 2021 significantly overperformed and overplayed where the team should have been. We got all the way to the ALCS, and we were up two games to one. That never should have happened. We never should have been in the ALCS. The fact that we got as far as we did, big surprise to everybody, including the fans in Boston. I don't even think the Red Sox thought they were going to get there, and they did. Anything else that either one of you wanted to add? Nope. Nope. That's all I got. All right. So we're going to segue into a different area since – Jason brought up a couple of points on one, so I'm, I'm not going to go right into this one right away. Number four, Tommy Pham will have a more impactful remainder to the season than Eric Hosmer. Is this totally legit, or are you calling the cops? Oh, I am going to call the cops on that one. Um, I think even though Hosmer has definitely taking a step back from his better days back in like 2017 when he was legit one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, I still think he's a better overall player than Tommy Pham. Um, And a lot of it is going to depend on what Alex Cora does. Is Cora going to bench Hosmer against left-handers and still shoehorn Bobby Dahl back into our lives? I don't know. I hope not, Um, but he might do that. Tommy Pham might be an everyday player. He might hit against both righties and lefties in one of your corner outfield spots because Ref Snyder is hurt right now. You got rid of Jackie Bradley. Jaron Duran, as we saw, is a complete mess. So Tommy Pham is going to earn playing time just because every other outfielder you have is incompetent, um, apart from like Alex Verdugo. So and, and we don't know what the status of Kiki Hernandez is. My guess is that we're not going to see him this year, but we'll see on that. So I, but I still think Hosmer is the better overall baseball player. I think he's the better hitter. He's a great defender at first base. And that has been an issue this year for, for sure. I think Hosmer being in Boston, he's married to, you know, what's her name? Casey McDonald, who used to work for Nesson. I don't know if she still works or lives in the Boston area, but maybe being back around that area helps him a little bit and just kind of improves his morale a little bit. So I'm still going to say Hosmer. It's close. It's real close. I'm going to say it's totally legit. I think like Jason said, I think Hosmer will be sitting against lefties. I know he did on Saturday. I already forget the name of the starter, but uh, it was a lefty. Dahlbeck got the start over Hosmer. What it comes down to for me is Hosmer has his money for the next few years. Tommy Pham has nothing beyond uh, 2022. And 
I'm sure he'll get signed regardless next year, but but I think their current status is going to result in Tommy Pham having a much bigger chip on his shoulder and wanting to, to do a little bit more damage. Hosmer just, I think, two or three times this series narrowly missed a home run. They were all just straightaway center. Had he pulled it a little or maybe went oppo, one or two of those goes over the fence, especially the way the ball was carrying. Tommy Pham did manage to hit one out today. And uh, I just, I think, like I said, Pham has just got a little bit more motivation. So it'll be interesting. And we don't have a ton of of outfield depth going into next year. So perhaps fam will also look at this as a potential audition for next year saying, Hey, bring me back on a one-year deal. And, uh, you know, you'll have a solid outfield because Alex Verdugo is the only one you have for sure. You got Duran still too, but totally legit for me. I'm going to agree with you there. I think it's totally legit that he's going to have a, a more impactful remainder of the year. And it goes into a couple of points here. Defensively, Tommy Pham is a better defender now at this point in the game than Eric Hosmer is. Eric Hosmer is a little bit younger than Tom Pham. But Terry mentioned one outlying factor. Hosmer is set for the next five years. Tom Pham does not know where he's going to be playing next year. And he just mentioned this is a proper time to show, like showcase your talent in an audition format standard, let me show you what I can do. So far in Boston, Tom Pham is 5 for 25 with a home run, three RBIs, four runs scored. Does strike out a decent amount, 10 times in 25 at-bats, so 40% target share there in six games. Hosmer, 2 for 10 with a hit, three runs scored, one RBI, one strikeout in 10 at-bats in three games played. Pham has done a little bit more so far in Boston than Hosmer. Granted, he has had a couple more opportunities Neither one has committed an error yet. Tom Pham has a better D-War than Eric Hosmer does now. So if we're going to take into account the last five years, uh, we've got a D-War of, I think it was negative uh, 1.8 for Tom Pham. And then for Eric Hosmer from 2018 on, it's negative 4.1. So it is getting worse for for Hosmer in relation to to defense, and that's really why you got him. A major upgrade at first base over Bobby Dahlbeck or Franchi Cordero. That was a major black hole that at least now has been sealed. It's not going to look as bad. This is someone who's going to be able to play a lot better first base. Truthfully told, we weren't really concerned about the bat. The bat wasn't the priority. It was having a solid first baseman that we needed. And now you got Tom Pham playing in the outfield, who's a better outfield option than Jackie Bradley. No disrespect to him. We already had our male couple moment on our last show. Uh, Jason, I'm going to join you there too in saying that he's a better option than some of our options right now. But Tommy Pham is, is doing a, an adequate job to showcase that he could come back here on a one-year deal, similar to the Steve Pierce situation, where Steve Pierce got another opportunity to come back the following year after having a very good postseason. So I think that's totally legit. Anything that either one of you gents wanted to add to that one? Just want to confirm that Eric Hosmer is, in fact, married to Casey McDonald. 
who looks very much like Jenny Dell, by the way. Like, if you were wasted, it would be really hard to know the difference between Jenny Dell and Casey McDonald. They they do look very similar. It kind of pays to be a corner infielder in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. It's cleaning up, yeah. I got I to gotta look this person up because I think I know who it is. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was. Um, did not know that. That's interesting. Wild. Uh, here we go. Number three. Will Reese McGuire, here we go, Jason, be a solid backup next year when Christian Vasquez is back for the playing for the Boston Red Sox? Is this totally legit? Are you calling the cops? I'm actually going to say it's totally legit. Um, unlike the John Lester situation, I actually think Christian Vasquez could very well sign back here. And it has a lot to do with, I think, that he was not traded out of bad faith. He was traded because, you know, that's where the team needed to go. That's where the GM felt like they needed to go. Um, the, the Red Sox don't have a catching prospect coming up through the system that could take his job. Connor Wong, I don't think, is the answer. This uh, Ronaldo Hernandez, he's not the answer either. They just, they don't have, they don't have their version of Adley Rushman or Corey Lee or Luis Camposano. Like they don't have that. So why wouldn't you bring him back? I think Vasquez would probably come back on not necessarily a team friendly deal, but he wouldn't ask for the moon. Right. And and I'm sure that there are going to be teams that will pursue him in free agency, but I think he would rather come back here on a reasonable deal and Reese McGuire has at least shown that behind the plate, he's got a good arm. I mean, offensively, I think he's a complete zero, but he looks good behind the plate. He can throw runners out. I think the pitching staff is comfortable with him. So, yeah, I would much rather have Reese McGuire as a backup over Kevin Plawecki, who has a noodle for an arm and can't throw anybody out. So, yeah, I could totally see that happening. I think Vasquez could absolutely come back. And again, you don't have a stud catcher coming up. So why not hang on to Reese McGuire? Because at least defensively, you know, he can do the job. So yeah, totally legit. I can see that happening. I think it's totally legit that Reese McGuire will be with the Red Sox next year, regardless. I mean, he's not a free agent until he's um, in his um, 2026 is when he becomes a free agent. So 2023 is his first arbitration eligible year. Trying to get his salaries right now. I can't find them. I'm not going to bother, but he's probably only making two or 3 million this year. He's not going to be making much um, next year and, and probably for the duration of his, uh, you know, arbitration eligibility. I want to throw out something interesting. I, as of right now, I agree that there's probably a 60% chance or better uh, shot that Vasquez comes back. Uh, more likely than not, he comes back is, is where I'm at. But let's talk about this because I don't know if we're going to on the regular show. If he fully embraces that Astros culture, 
and he likes he's probably not gonna be catching verlander that's um maldonado's job he's his personal catcher regardless but if he really likes working with that houston staff and he's already caught one pretty good game for them already who's to say the astros just aren't a little bit more aggressive in re-signing him for a couple of years I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he doesn't stay with the Astros. And I think I think the Astros players, I know they all love pitching to Maldonado, but I think they're going to like Vasquez as well. I think they're going to like his presence. So they might have the first crack at him. And if nothing else, I think they're going to drive the price up for the Red Sox as well. So maybe the Red Sox just stay off of them. You look at Reese McGuire, not a world beater. <laughs> I No pun intended. Um, his career numbers here. Um, he's a 244 hitter, which isn't even bad for a catcher. He's just got no power. And this weekend, he actually did pretty good. Let's see. He was three for eight, drove in a run, had a couple of strikeouts today. I was really impressed with the ball. It it, it was kind of like a swinging bunt, and it was looking like it might roll back into foul territory, and he dove on it right away to keep it fair and then threw the runner out at first. So I like what I've seen so far. And I'm not going to lie, I did watch his video finally of him being arrested. And um, I kind of, by the end of the video, kind of felt bad for him. Like he wasn't, uh, the whole time he was dealing with the police officer, he was very remorseful, wasn't trying to be shady, didn't deny anything. And, um, you know, he's going to live with that the rest of his career, but... I'm not going to spend the rest of the season making fun of him at this point. So, um, but for now, I'll say totally legit. I, I took the the longest way to get there. But any yeah, any Jason. thoughts? Because I really unpacked a lot there. Yeah. So, no, uh, Jason. I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. The only thing I would say in terms of uh, when you're talking about why wouldn't Houston just keep Christian Vasquez at this point? I mean, they've got a catching prospect. Unlike the Red Sox, their number two pro- prospect is Corey Lee, who's a catcher. Okay. And he's he's 24. He's basically major league ready now. And he's probably going to be called up next year. Now, the question is, if you're Houston, who's going to be your backup? Is Maldonado going to be your backup? Because he knows that pitching staff really well. He's a little bit older. Maldonado will be 36 next year. So do you hang on to that or do they bring Christian Vasquez back and convince him to be sort of a backup slash platoon with their number two prospect? And if you're Christian Vasquez, if the Red Sox reach out to you and say, Hey, we want you to be our everyday guy again. Like we don't have an option here. Like we'll pay you everyday money. You'll play more than 50% of our games. If you're Christian Vasquez, what would you rather? Would you rather be in Houston, which is they're probably going to be really good again next year, but he's going to have less playing time. He might make around the same money because they might overpay a little bit to keep him, but you're not going to get as much playing time and you're going to be more of a mentor. Or do you come back to Boston, get a chance to play every day 
and who knows where Boston will be contention wise, but you'll get to play every day and you'll get the same, probably about the same kind of money. So he's going to have a real interesting choice there because I think Houston is all in on Corey Lee. I think they're going to call him up and he's going to get a lot of playing time next year. It's just a matter of who's going to be the number two catcher there. Are they going to hang on to Maltonado who will be again on the back nine of his career or do they offer Vasquez a backup job? Real quick, actually, if I can just throw this in, Charlie, uh, just two things. I think as long as Justin Verlander's there, he's probably going to have Maldonado. I think there's just a ton of influence there. But there is one thing to consider here. The Astros have a history of, you know, shenanigans. Does Houston want Christian Vasquez going back to Boston with uh, all their recent secrets? So just a ton of things to consider. This is going to be fluid. If he if Vasquez has a beast of a postseason that could influence a lot of things as well. So I guess it's it's a little early. Charlie, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you guys both up, uh, both brought up some great points. I personally think this is totally legit. McGuire's 5 for 11 this year. He's at 455 with a couple runs scored. Struck out for the first two times in 11 at-bats today. Vaz is 1 for 9 with a strikeout 9 at-bats in four games played. I don't think that Christian Vasquez is absolutely enjoying his time in Houston. You could tell based on his first game being an Astro, post game during his response, his his just attitude and demeanor didn't really dictate and showcase that he was really that happy to be in Houston, even if the team is winning. Personally, I don't think Christian Vasquez cares about winning more than being on the Boston Red Sox. And I think Reese McGuire needs Christian Vasquez to come back to Boston. He has never had a leader at his position like that before. He's never had somebody like Christian Vasquez, someone who's going to take him under the wing and go, come here, young like young cub, I'm, I got you. Follow me, do what I do, you'll do great. They're going to establish trust with you. I'm going to talk to the staff. I already know them from the years and years that I've been here. My goal is to eventually hand off the reins to you. We'll hopefully develop a little bit of power and maybe, just maybe, I can hand the reins over to you. I absolutely think it's a possibility that uh, he's going to be here for, at the very least, the next three, four years. Yes, he's under team control. There really is no incentive to package him up and send him on his way. So I, I think that he's going to be here for a couple of years back. And I do think that Christian Vasquez is going to come back, similar to what the Yankees did with Aroldis Chapman. They trade him to the Chicago Cubs. He won the World Series, signed back with the Yankees as a free agent. And they got to keep Glaber Torres and all the other players that came uh, you know, in that deal. So I definitely think that's a possibility. And the more and more I think about it, a higher probability. So that's that one. And uh, we're going to segue into a pitching one before we finish up with uh, a topic we talked about on the last show. Number two, Garrett Whitlock will lead Sox pitchers in war by the end of the season. Currently, Garrett Whitlock is fifth behind several starters and a reliever. Is that totally legit, or are we calling the cops? <laughs> he wants me to go. I need. Oh, so so some some. Sorry. All right, here we go. So number one, Michael Waka, two point two WAR. John Schreiber, two point two WAR. Nick Pavetta, two point oh WAR. 
Tanner Houck, 1.6 war. Garrett Whitlock, 1.5 war. So my apologies. I should have given that information to you before, but those are your five. So you got Waka and John Schreiber, 2.2. Pavetta, 2.0. Tanner Houck, 1.6. And then Whitlock, just a hair behind at 1.5. Totally legit. Are you calling the cops? I am going to call the cops. I don't think that Tanner Houck is going to leapfrog all those, or sorry, Garrett Whitlock, rather, is going to leapfrog all those guys and lead the Zeman War. It's really hard to do that as a reliever. You've got to be like, you've got to be Mariano Rivera levels of good to lead an entire pitching staff in war. Now, that said, would it shock me if the Red Sox pitching staff just completely turns into a dumpster fire in the second half and Whitlock is your best pitcher and maybe he just sneaks ahead of them. No, it wouldn't, but I I still think it's unrealistic. I think that starting pitchers are always going to have that edge because they pitch more innings, they face more batters, they accumulate more strikeouts. So I think my, my guess ultimately is that Nick Pavetta will end up leading all Red Sox pitchers in war by the end of the season. I just think that he's going to put together the best resume by the end of the year. Um, but I think Whitlock will come close. I think he'll maybe be number three, number four, but no, he, he's not going to be number one. I, I think a starting pitcher will get that. Like I said, I my money is on Pavetta, so I will call the cops on that one. I don't think he's going to do it. I'll also call the cops as well. I think it's going to be Michael Walker, actually. Um, his summer vacation is almost over, you know, that he seems to take every season. And he did have, he was lights out in his, uh, his first rehab start. I don't think he gave up a run. I don't remember his exact line, but he was, he was dealing and, if that's a preview of what's to come, I, I think if if Jason's not correct with Pavetta, I certainly think Walker would be the guy that leads the team. And Whitlock did serve up the, the walk-off the other night, so who's to say he doesn't have a little bit of a regression? I, I think he gets in his own head sometimes and has some issues with that. You've seen Xander Bogarts walk over from shortstop to, to calm him down a little bit. So I'll uh, I'll call the cops on that one. I'm also going to call the cops, and uh, reason for that, uh, I do think it's going to be a starter. I think, similar to what Jason mentioned, it's very difficult for relievers to do it, although you do see John Schreiber tied with Waka for 2.2. Schreiber's going to come back down to reality. I think Schreiber's going to end up being behind Whitlock. I think that Pavetta will be behind Whitlock, and I think that Hauk is really the only other pitcher that has a chance to be in front of, of Garrett Whitlock, but I think for what Terrence was talking about, Michael Waka was the starting pitcher for when the Worcester Woo Sox ended up getting their first no-hitter. I think he is, as, as Terry mentioned, almost back from his summer break. I would, it'd be nice to get like a summer break, almost like a teacher, you know, just take two months off. Uh, I think it's going to be Garrett Whitlock's second or third, but he'll be just a hair behind one of those two cats up on point. So uh, unless... Either one of you had anything else to add for that one? We'll we'll wrap it up. Perfect. All right. So last but not least, totally legit, or are you calling the cops? 
Jaron Duran lost another ball in the sky today and misplayed yet another ball on a separate play. Has he lost too much value for a potential future trade? Is this totally legit or are you calling the cops? I am still going to say calling the cops because he's still young. Um, he's still 25 coming on 26. He has lightning speed and defensively he's a mess. We all know that. Um, but I think that other teams around the league will look at that and say, well, we can fix that. We, we can fix the defense or we can hide him in left field or something like that. Um, but the speed and when he's going good, the bat is legit. I mean, I, I said it on the previous show. Every time he goes down to Worcester, he rakes and, and he looks like a great hitter. So, you know, he's at the plate. He's not completely useless. It's just really the defense and it's the immaturity. But I think other teams around the league will look at that and say, no, we can fix that. That's okay. He's got raw ability and he's young. So we're willing to take him in a trade. If the Red Sox were going to offer him, I, I think other teams around the league, especially teams that are struggling for outfield depth, you know, like I hate to, I always bring them up, but I, like a team like the Pirates, who just have no one else really coming through their system, not immediately anyway. Like, you know, they would probably look at Jaron Duran and go, yeah, he, he would work here. We, we can make him work. He'd be a great leadoff hitter. So yeah, we'll take him. So I'm going to call the cops. I, I don't think that he's completely killed his trade value. Has he diminished it greatly? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely lower than it was, but he hasn't completely killed it. He can still be dealt. So I'll call the cops. I will. I mean, I guess I technically have to call the cops, but are we going to get a return for Jaron Duran? I don't think so. Uh, whoever you get in return isn't going to see the light of day. You could DFA him tomorrow and some team would claim him and he would get a shot in their organization. One outside the box thing you could consider if you want to try to rebuild his value. When you send him back to Worcester, Put him back at second base. See what he does. Because if he's an average defensive second baseman, his value goes way up. In the last show, if you've got a major liability in the outfield, you better be a damn good hitter if you're going to have a future. And I gave a couple of examples on guys that have hung around because they're really good hitters. I just don't see it as a center fielder. Will other teams give him a chance? Yes. But you want to get creative to rebuild his value? Put him back at second base and see if he's at least adequate doing that. So I think you bring up a really good point. I don't think his future is playing center field. I think that experiment has all but ended at this point. I mean, there is no faith in Jaron Duran playing the outfield. He... He just does not feel comfortable. And I don't think that moving from the infield to the outfield was a smart play. Mookie Betts was able to make the adjustment. I think Mookie Betts is a much better ball player. I don't think that Jaron Duran will ever be remotely close to Mookie Betts or what Mookie Betts can possess and do. That being said, 
Do I think his trade value is completely diminished? Not completely, but man, oh man, if we had traded him a year and a half ago, would the haul have been insane? Because we held Jaron Duran in very high esteem. And when he got just a little bit of light into the majors, it all went away. Jaron Duran could have been the could have been the package, could have actually led, I think, a package to bring back a player talent, maybe a really good reliever, somebody uh, like Devin Williams from Milwaukee or something like that, had he not spent any time in Boston, and Milwaukee could have had their chance with him. And maybe we'd be going back in two, three years saying, damn, we shouldn't have gotten rid of Jaron Duran. But knowing what we know now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Who knows what would have happened a couple of years ago. So I don't think his I don't think his trade value has completely gone bye-bye, but I think he's lost a decent amount. It's gonna take a a completely reworking of the tools from A to Z for him to regain some value or being useful in Boston. Anything else that either one of you guys want to add, Terry? Did you I think I'm good. Cool. Right on, Jason. Good. Yep. No, I'm good too. Yep. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me for another fun edition of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. And we want to thank our fans and listeners for your dedication and loyalty. Wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether that be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank you. We appreciate you. And we look forward to interacting with you real soon. Everyone have a great night. Take care.